Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, and today we will continue our team preview series with a look at the Los Angeles Chargers going through the AFC West right now. We've been going through all eight divisions up until the lead-up of Week 1, so check those out if you haven't already. But without further ado, your 2020 Fantasy Football Preview for the Los Angeles Chargers. Looks like it is going to be Ty Rod, formerly known as Ty God, Taylor under center to start the season, and maybe more. I mean, throughout this entire offseason, we've had Anthony Lynn and the front office alike just calling him more than the bridge quarterback. And it makes sense when you think about it because, you know, you go back to Tyrod's last show in Cleveland how, and that whole disaster. And that was them signing Tyrod, drafting Baker, same year. I mean, I know Hugh Jackson wasn't calling it a competition, and that's why, you know, it took until week three or four for Baker to take over. But, I mean, Tyrod has been the incumbent guy in Los Angeles. I mean, he was the backup for Rivers last season. He played with Anthony Lynn back with the Bills. And it's just a situation where, you know, he is going to be a guy to start the year. As long as he can play well, then, uh, you know, he should continue to get all the chances in the world. Money in history says Herbert's going to get his chance sooner rather than later. I mean, 17 um, out of the top, out of 20 QBs drafted inside the top 10 since 2010 have started at least 10 games as a rookie. I mean, for every, you know, Patrick, I know Patrick Mahomes was in the top 10 pick, but for every situation like that, where, you know, the quarterback more or less gets a red shirt for his first year in the season, most of the time you see four or five other guys, you know, get thrown out there as second things start to go south. So looking at those Tyrod Taylor Bills teams, you know, now that we can assume that, okay, Tyrod should be under center for at least, you know, the first month or two of the season. I mean, things to know, the Bills were a bottom two offense and pass attempts during all three seasons with Tyrod as a starter. Now, this didn't mean they were a bad offense. I mean, they were number nine, number 14, and then the wheels fell off a little bit, number 27 in yards per play during the 2015 through 2017 seasons. And, you know, the big takeaway, just in terms of who was the most effective players in the offense, it, it was that running back. I mean, LaShawn McCoy was awesome in these uh, in these years. Uh, PPR RB19 in 2015, that was only because he played 12 games. He was the RB4 and the RB7 in 2016 and 2017 with Tyrod under center. And that's kind of the big thing about having these dual threat quarterbacks. I, mean, I went back in PFF's uh, database, looked at 2010 through 2019, you know, what have been the best offenses in yards before contact per rush? And the squads you see popping up were in 2019, we had two of them with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and then Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. But the other two teams that were really ranked highly were the 2015 and 2016 Buffalo Bills with Tyrod Taylor. I mean, there really is something to, you know, running all those read options, having the dual threat quarterback there, you know, that can really do the design runs. And, you know, it forces defensive ends not be able to close as quickly, puts, you know, a different thought on the head of all linebackers. It causes a lot of problems. So while obviously Tyrod's not going to present the same advantages as Phillip Rivers did in the passing game, I think we're, you know, letting the likelihood that this rushing game, you know, kind of takes on a new level, uh, go over our heads a little bit. So maybe Herbert gets in there sooner rather than later. I mean, the guy's not going to give you the same sort of rushing upside, even though he ran, you know, sub four, seven, 40 yard dash. And he's a big dude. I think, uh, I think he's just a little, he's a little more, you know, athlete, athletic than football athletic. I mean, we just didn't really see him uh, take off all that much in college, you know, aside from the three rushing touchdowns in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin. So he's, he's not a statue or anything like that, but he's just not Tyrod Taylor under center. I mean, few are as terms of a rushing talent. I mean, literally among all QBs over the past five years, Tyrod has the highest rate of missed uh, tackles forced per rushing attempt. So 
It's not like Tyrod, you know, just running around like without any skill. Truly, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's probably not even Kyler, but top five rushing quarterback in the league, no doubt, whenever he's under center. So I do expect Tyrod to hold on to this job for at least the first couple months of the season because you look at the schedule. They start with the Bengals, then we got the Chiefs, then we got the Panthers. So, you know, assuming he can get past the Bengals and Panthers there, we're 2-1. and one. And here's where the problem starts. This is this is the stretch Tyrod needs to get past. We got back-to-back road trips against the Buccaneers and then the Saints. Now, normally when I looked at this, I wanted to uh, say that, okay, after those five games, it's probably when we get Herbert in there. That would then also allow him to hit that double-digit kind of threshold we've seen historically. But after that Saints game, we have a short week until the Chargers face the Jets. So assuming Tyrod can hold on to the job, then he gets the Jets, Dolphins, Jaguars, Raiders, um, before the bye week so after that you know it gets tough broncos bills patriots but man those first seven eight weeks of the season certainly looking good for tyrod uh, personally you know i've been really high on joe burrow throughout this offseason uh but he has a pretty uh tough first month of the season same thing with uh, daniel jones i'm not quite as high on him but if you have one of these quarterbacks in fantasy that you know you're concerned about their first couple matches of the year don't be afraid to get Tyrod Taylor because he's available in the last round of drafts. And again, you're getting Bengals, Chiefs, Panthers. Those are three situations where he's going to be in the top 16 QBs in most projections. And that rushing floor is great, everyone. Week one, cash game QB on DraftKings for sure. So that's the quarterback situation. Moving on to running back, it's the Austin Eckler show. And I understand people are concerned, like, okay, we don't have Philip Rivers now to dink and dunk the ball to Eckler all game. And no, I don't think we're going to see, you know, 15 reception games from Eckler this year. But this is still, he's still the lead RB1. As much, you know, concern as we put in the Rivers not being there for Eckler, I don't think we paid enough attention to Melvin freaking Gordon not being there. I mean, Eckler, when Gordon has not been there, has played at least 65 to 95% of the snaps on every single occasion. I mean, it's been seven games where Eckler has just been the guy and okay he's not your you know old school hey we're gonna give this guy 15 20 carries up the middle type of back but the snaps are there and the usage is literally as a wide receiver three kind of rb1 hybrid i mean not many running backs line up in the slot or out wide we hear every offseason you know coaches talking about wanting to use two uh more two rb formations and things like that but Los Angeles with the Chargers is actually one of those few situations we should feel confident about their team actually doing that. I mean, last year, the top three running backs, the percentage of snaps spent in the slot or out wide were number one, Tariq Cohen at 39%, number two, Kareem Hunt at 33%, and number three, Austin Eckler at 26%. So I see people, you know, projecting Justin Jackson and or Joshua Kelly to get a decent chunk of run. And, you know, because of that, I think they kind of, unjustly slide Eckler down the ranks, but we could legit see a situation where Eckler gets 50% of the RB snaps, 25% of the wide receiver snaps. So we're looking at 75% for him. And then we have Jackson and or Kelly split and work on early downs, you know, getting maybe double digit rush attempts between them as well. So, and this rushing game is going to be really efficient. I mean, I was uh, uh, talking to some guys at a uh, fade and noise the other day and um and uh, one of the guys was uh, actually predicting that uh, Justin Jackson could also be 
a top 24 back alongside Eckler. I don't think we're going to see Jackson or Kelly really pull away enough from each other to get that many consistent carries, but this rushing offense is going to be really legit, and uh, you know I think whoever is getting the rock will be efficient. It's going to be Eckler. I mean, they just gave him a four-year, $24.5 million contract. I mean, the dude's been a stud. It's a situation where a really, really proven talent, a really uh, proven talented player is getting seemingly enhanced volume. I mean, this was the PPR RB2 in weeks one through four last season. So, And he was the RB5 in weeks five through 17. So we've seen Eckler do it even with or without Melvin Gordon. Okay, again, the Rivers pass attempts don't help, but it's not like Eckler's all of a sudden going to catch 30 passes. And it's also a situation where we should expect the rushing efficiency to take a leap in addition to the volume. So I think Eckler needs to be continued to be treated as a top 10 fantasy back moving on to the wide receiver position this is where it gets a little rough everyone i mean keenan allen is so swaggy i love his you know long sleeve baggy look he's made that cool over the years his route running is amazing i mean you know he spent uh one of his early year careers with stevie johnson and you just kind of see that style seep into his way running routes i mean any top five route runner list without keenan allen now on it is is wrong but i just worry if we're going to see the same sort of fantasy success this season i mean he's evaporated the whole injury prone narrative over the last few years but he's just gotten fed the ball from philip rivers i mean he has averaged 148 targets per year over the past three seasons and tyrod taylor never fed a receiver 100 plus targets in his three years as the bill's starting qb i mean those offenses ranked 31st 32nd and 31st in pass attempts there were a couple years, I think Sammy Watkins finished with like 96 while missing a few games. I mean, it wouldn't be shocking if Tyrod, I'm, I'm sorry, if, if uh, Keenan can still clear triple-digit targets, you know, maybe even flirt with 120 or so. But, you know, unlike Eckler, where we have the um, corresponding rushing boost, we're not getting out of Keenan. We're going to see 20 or 30 fewer targets at a minimum from last year. And I would also predict the efficiency going from Rivers to Tyrod isn't going to be great. So... And that's assuming that Keenan does still continue to be a number one guy. I, I do think he's talented enough to do so. And, you know, this Mike Williams injury, and he's not going to be, he could miss the first four or six weeks of the season, apparently, or even if it's four or six weeks from the injury that occurred, uh, you know, during training camp. We're still looking at Mike Williams maybe missing a game or two in September. You know, even with him out of the picture, we still have Eckler, we still have Hunter Henry, still have a bunch of talent in that passing game that doesn't necessarily guarantee Keenan's going to be the guy. So, you know, he is already being depressed enough in ADP to uh, kind of warrant a selection in those later rounds. If you're loading up, and later rounds, I mean, you know, like six or seven. If you're loading up at the RBs early, but I just think the usual sky-high ceiling for Keenan isn't there. And unfortunately, the floor uh, isn't really looking good as well. So we'll, uh, we'll see what works out there. Last year was so infuriating in Los Angeles because they had Andre Patton soaking up like 70% of the snaps per game. They just never even threw him the ball. I mean, just put Eckler, have Eckler stand there, and he's going to attract more attention from the defense and some of these wide receiver threes. Whether that ends up being K.J. Hill or whoever uh, this time around, we'll see. But I just don't think that anyone outside of Keenan Allen uh, is going to be able to be even a viable fantasy producer this year. Mike Williams, if he can get healthy, maybe. But it's just going to kind of be what we've seen in the last two years, more boom or bust. Not so much because of his talent, but more so because of the role in this offense as the likely number three, even maybe number four pass game option. I, mean, I would love to see Mike Williams on a team where he gets a chance to be the true 
alpha wide receiver one, but I don't think it's going to be this year. I'm not touching Mike Williams in anything other than best ball. I know that's, you know, the token kind of thing to say with these wide receivers, better in best ball, but for Mike particularly this year, I think it's true. And, you know, if you are going to play best ball, make sure you do it with the fine folks. Underdog Fantasy, use code PFF, get free entry into the million dollar contest. You know, I, I wouldn't advise uh, having too high of exposure to Mike Williams, but hey, you know, we talk about uh, situations where you do want to be contrarian and, you know, why, when you want, want to maybe do zero RB drafts and, you know, taking chances like a Mike Williams uh, in the later rounds when a lot of people are going to be afraid of, you know, the injury risk and things like that could be a good way of separating yourself. So underdog fantasy, code PFF, go get them, people. All right, tight end position, Hunter Henry, just so good. I mean, his he's averaged 8.95 yards per target since entering the league, and that's the eighth highest mark among 52 tight ends with at least 100 targets since 2016. And you look at those Bills' offenses. I mean, Charles Clay had over 500 yards in each of his three seasons with Tyrod in their center. And, I mean, they had Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods in those offenses. There's a non-zero chance that Hunter Henry could kind of lead the way in this new offense. Heavy favorite, deserves to be Keenan Allen. I do think it will be Keenan Allen, but, I mean, Hunter Henry is one of these tight ends in that, you know, 4 through 10 range where, okay, the ceiling actually is could be as their offense's number one pass game target, and that should be worth something kind of a tiebreaker. Ultimately, though, you know, this is going to be a run-heavy approach, and, okay, if Tyrod does, you know, bow out sooner rather than later, the Herbert, now we have a rookie QB under center so it's my usual tight end strategy throughout this offseason has been you know try to get kelsey kittle or andrews if not i'm gonna wait 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 and then you know attack the likes of chris herndon johnu smith uh, and those types of guys in the later round so haven't been getting much hunter henry but the guy's talented there's a path to success i just think there's too many questions working against him to really warrant reaching on him but you know if you're in a home league you know 10 team league or something like that and only one tight end and it's round 13 14 and hunter henry's there could certainly do worse than having that stud as your tight end one moving on to the ranks at quarterback i have Tyrod Taylor as my QB 28, one spot behind Darnold, one spot ahead of Derek Carr. This is where it's tough because, like, if we had, if I was projecting all these guys for 16 games, then Tyrod would be significantly higher. But because uh, we're not, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to start 16 games this year. I think Herbert will come in eventually, probably closer to December than October. But I, I don't think Tyrod's, you know, going to start probably more than 12 games. And because of that, I got to rank him lower. But, you know, again, I, I really think in, on teams with, you know, Burrow, Daniel Jones. Pay attention to September strength of schedule. Not the whole season. We don't know what's going to change, what's going to happen, what injuries are going to happen. But just those first four games, and you can really tell some of these quarterbacks that are going to struggle. Tyrod has a good chance of opening up the season strong. Don't really think he'll keep the momentum. But, you know, it's as much as season-long fantasy, you want to look at the big picture. Uh, playing week by week can also have its positives. So, uh, Justin Herbert, I have lower at QB 34. I don't think he's going to be a guy we're going to be looking to start in fantasy in 2020. At running back, I have Austin Eckler as my RB11, one spot behind Joe Mixon, one spot ahead of Miles Sanders. I pretty much have Eckler as, you know, I mean, the guys in front of him, Mixon, Chubb, Henry, Drake, Cook, Clyde Ebersolaire, Kamara, Zeke, Barkley, McCaffrey. I mean, these are guys that are going to flirt with, you know, 300-plus touches, have the talent to warrant it, and do big things with it. I have Eckler ahead of, you know, Miles Sanders, Jacobs, Aaron Jones. Uh, so I, I, I truly think he's talented. There's a little bit of the workload concern. I mean, I, I just don't think the Chargers are going to give Eckler 250-plus rush attempts like these other guys. But with the pass game volume, 
I mean, guys, it's just, it's a cheat code in fantasy to have a running back that gets these receptions. I mean, imagine if every rush attempt got to start 10 yards downfield. That's the equivalent to, you know, getting a full point per reception just anytime the guy can catch the ball. So I think over these backs that do have a little more workload concerns than, you know, your top 10 guys, uh, Eckler should be prioritized ahead of them. Uh, moving on to wide receiver, Keenan Allen I have as my wide receiver 29, one spot behind A.J. Green, one spot ahead of T.Y. Hilton. I, you know, it's, I've joined Edelman behind Hilton. It's just kind of this veteran wide receiver one range that, okay, there's also a new quarterback under center. What should we expect? It could go well. These guys are talented. There's not a ton of, you know, guys in the depth chart. There's a, you know, there's a reason why their ADP is this low. If we didn't have, you know, these kind of questions under center, all these guys would be probably top 16 players. I mean, I know AJ Green is more injury related than anything, but, you know, ceiling's there. And when he's being priced as the wide receiver 29, I don't mind taking a shot on him. You know, just... You know, again, we hate ADPs. We, we don't hate players. So while I'm not reaching for Keenan Allen, at some point, it, all these guys become a value. And, you know, if you can get them around that wide receiver 30 range, I mean, it's Keenan freaking Allen at some point. So uh, definitely don't treat him, you know, as the top 12, top 15 receiver we've seen in recent years. But, you know, every man has their price. Uh, Mike Williams, I had to drop a bunch just because of this injury. I have him wide receiver 56, one spot behind Christian Kirk, one spot ahead of Nikhil Harry. And yeah, just in this offense, I think it's going to be very tough for Mike to get that consistent production in 2020. I have Hunter Henry as my tight end eight, one spot behind Gronk, one spot ahead of Darren Waller. Yeah, I'm just really not touching these tight ends as a whole. I mean, I could see a scenario where Henry gets 100 targets and has a really good season. I could also see a scenario where he gets 50 and he knows this offense is number four pass game option. So just the, the floor of all these receiving options is so, so, so much lower. Uh, Henry is good enough to make the most out of it, but, you know, I think the same could be said for, you know, much cheaper tight ends in fantasy. So moving on to the win total, Chargers sitting at 7.5. And, and you look at the division, that's also where the Raiders are at. Chiefs are at 11.5. Man, I really want to kind of back the charge on this because this defense is nasty. You've got a healthy Derman James coming back. Um, you know, Chris Harris added to that secondary makes them arguably the best cornerback group in the league. We got Bosa and, you know, Ingram, assuming he doesn't uh, decide to hold out after Bosa just got that deal on the D-line. I mean, just studs all over the place. Truly one of the more talented rosters in the league. And, you know, yes, the Chiefs are the studs, but it wouldn't be shocking at all if the Chargers, you know, get past the Broncos and the Raiders. All these teams are at seven and a half. I would actually lean towards the over here. And there is a little bit of juice, minus 130 on the over. I feel like, you know, while Tyrod isn't, you know, this 12 and four quarterback or someone that's going to, you know, be able to elevate a bunch of their teammates, we still have plenty of examples of him, you know, taking teams to that 500 mark to the playoffs with a semi decent supporting roster. And I think now he's playing with probably the best roster of his career. So I would, uh, you know, not put not put the mortgage on it, but say uh, with a little bit of confidence, Chargers over seven and a half could be a decent bet, more because of the overall roster than, you know, specifically Tyrod under center. But hey, you know, a win is a win is a win. So that's going to do it. Thank you all for listening. It's been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Ian Hart. So until the next one, take care, everybody. 